Welcome to the Beers with Engineers podcast. This is the podcast where we talk to engineers about engineering stuff and stuff that engineers like. I am your host, Bert Uschel. Now it is time to sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. And a beer, too, as long as you're not driving. Good afternoon. I actually have to say good morning, Joe, because I'm in Massachusetts here in California. Hi, Bert. Yeah, time changes are uh, an amazing thing. <laughs> That's right. And uh, the uh, the great internet where we can talk to each other in virtual real time. So welcome to the first Beers with Engineers podcast. I am Bert Uschel. This is your host. I am your host. This is Joe Parashak, my guest. Uh, I've known Joe for about 30 years. Uh, we worked together back in Cincinnati. Uh, he got his undergraduate from Worcester Polytechnic Institute, or WISTA, or Worcester, or Worcester, or whichever you want to pronounce. Um, we used to, uh, in Cincinnati, go out together frequently, lunches, dinners, sporting events. Well, maybe not too many sporting events, but we had a lot of fun. And uh, so what I think of clever and uh, creative engineers that I've worked with over the year, uh, Joe quickly makes his way to the short list. Joe is uh, one clever fellow, and when we were talking the other day, just getting ready for this, he reminded me of that with some of the little thing he popped in there. Uh, so we've known each other for 30 years. We haven't stayed that close. We talk every you know couple of years or so. So uh, I might learn as much as our listeners will on this particular podcast about you, Joe. So, so there's my introduction. Uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself and maybe what you agree with or disagree with with what I just said. Great, great introduction. Thanks, Bert. You, you did leave out uh, the, the, the best tour of Buffalo you could have ever given a person when we went to visit <laughs> your family up in Buffalo. Uh, and and I I got wings. I saw uh, Niagara Falls and a blizzard. That's right. And, in like two days, it was. We saw the whole Buffalo experience in like a, a second. It was amazing. And I think I almost killed you because we were driving Pretty to Niagara Falls and uh, lost control for a little bit there. It was a good good time. Good time. Yep. Yep. And uh, well, happy to oblige and get that uh, Niagara Falls checked off of your bucket list. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, like you said, I've been uh, in med devices 32 years now, uh, R&D the whole time. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've seen it all. I've uh, been at every stage of uh, development from concept to commercialization, uh, every size of company from four guys in a garage to a <laughs> full-fledged, you know, Abbott J&J company. Uh, and uh, at every level from, you know, associate engineer to vice president. So... Uh, I've got uh, got a bulk of med device experience. All right. Do you have a preferred phase of that project? There's start, there's end, there's middle. Yeah, you know, oddly enough, I do, and I think it's it's not a popular uh, preferred phase. I I really like second generation products. Interesting. So right. you know, you know, the first generation there's there's huge market risk. There's a blank sheet of paper staring at you, and people got to figure out okay, what what makes sense. Mm-hmm. But but boy, once that's out there, you get a lot of real data you can act on. Okay, that's uh, yeah, having that real data versus the yeah. I think this is what the data means definitely is helpful. So so yeah, that's that's my favorite second gen. Yeah, and I think another part of that I can relate to that somewhat, but another part is that on that second gen, you're able to do some of the things that you couldn't do on the first gen because. You got these budgets and time constraints and things like that, and you've yeah. heard the phrase. Sometimes comes a time in every project's life when you have to shoot the engineer and release the product. Well, and you know that's that's something we as engineers ought to work on. 
honestly because <laughs> but no no because we we need to think of when you're launching a project a product we are focused on technical risk right 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 but there's there's market risk yep and i've yep. i've i've worked hard on some very high quality products that doctors went eh what do i care yeah yep <laughs> uh, and and that that hits hard man that's that's yeah. a that's a yeah. that's a difficult uh realization to get that you you missed the market <laughs> yeah and and i think that's to help avoid that you get a good team together you got the engineers you got the marketing folks which well, we call marketing folks back at Ethicon. I'm not sure that's what I call marketing these days. Those yeah, are no, it's changed. Product definition that, folks. Yeah. So the uh, I I like the term upstream marketing. Right? Upstream so, marketing. Okay. Yeah, d- downstream marketing. They focus on selling what you got. Okay. Yeah. But uh, up, upstream marketing is all right. What do we really need to do next? Yeah. Yeah. And it's a uh, uh, it, it's uh, it's a great cooperation with engineering because we come from different different perspectives right 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 yeah we're, you, we're, we're like i know how to do something and the marketing is saying well i, I the upstream marketing is saying i know what the customer needs right right and right. and those two different perspectives are important because a lot of times we won't start working on something until someone gives us a problem to fix yep you know i, I believe for a long time sometimes the hardest part of the product is just asking the question you know can we solve this problem Oh yeah, no one's ever thought to solve that problem before. But once you start to think about it, maybe it's not trivial, but it's often not uh, super difficult either. Yeah. What well, also uh, brings up an important part of engineering is uh, knowing what's going on out there, right? We right. we need to we need to get up from the desks and go go to shows, go to get some life experience, and keep mm-hmm. a track of what's what technology is going on, so that when somebody does come with that problem, we go, I know. I know yep, how to solve yep. that. All right. So what's a, a technology that either recently or in the past you found that you just like and want to find a use for it? <laughs> the technology oh, in search of a problem instead of the problem in search of a technology. There's there's a ton of those, right? There's 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 a, a, a bunch of technologies that I've wanted to use. Right. Uh, and, and I'll I mean, a quick list is non-imaging optics. Okay. I've long I've long thought that uh, light concentrators that uh, aren't lenses uh, can be employed to create, you know, energy uh, energy devices. Never really cracked the nut of how to do it. Yep. Uh, and then th- there was a Weck skin stapler thirty years ago that uh, it it used cams instead of having a pivot for the trigger. It was really cool. Oh, that's interesting. It had it had you know a a, a horizontal cam that created forward motion to deliver the staplers. And then in the the other part of the pistol grip, it had uh, a, a rotational cam that let the trigger pivot. Okay. So just these two slides that the trigger pivoted through. Always wanted to use that. Never found a use for it either. Yeah. <laughs> and it sounds you know simpler than pivots and springs and all that good stuff. It was it was a really cool mechanism. Yep, yep. All right. Well, very good. Very good. Uh, so let's go back. Why are you an engineer, Joe? Is there... Something oh. in your childhood that drove you that way? Is it? Do you look back at your childhood and say, "Of course, I became an engineer." You know, that's that's a good way to put it. I look back at my childhood and say, "Yeah, that made sense." But it was my parents that saw it. Oh, okay. Right. So I, I spent a lot of time, you know, building stuff, taking stuff apart, occasionally putting it back together. <laughs> uh, you know, just as an example, I remember uh, buying uh, a bunch of these surplus. Uh, light gun games from 
some surplus company. It was like American Science Surplus, uh, but uh, I, I forget if it was it was the same company or not. Mm-hmm. By the way, you you can you can bleep out American Science Surplus if they don't give you like an endorsement deal. <laughs> just, just saying. That's right. That's uh, right. <laughs> but uh, well, I'll amplify the sound if they do. <laughs> they they had to the surplus device was. Uh, it was like a gunslinger, and when the light that in, went off in the pistol you had hit a light sensor on the on the box, uh, it would uh, it would release a uh, a cable, and the the gunslinger figure would drop like he was shot. <laughs> All right, and I thought, man, that's a cool way to get a remote for my TV. Right. Oh, all right. <laughs> right. So, so I I plugged it up so that uh, uh, the motor instead in the box ran a rotary switch, uh, and could turn my TV on and off. So I was uh, turning it on and off with a six shooter. Okay, <laughs> it's good fun. Back before but, back before we had seven remote controls for our TV. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But so yeah, when I when I turned eighteen, my parents were like, "Joe, you should be an engineer." I didn't know what an engineer was. Right. I mean, I, I think. Uh, I think there's a gap in people's knowledge. A lot of people look at products and they don't realize that, yeah, that product is, it comes from humans, right? Right. It comes from engineers who went and figured out how to make all those parts and how to fit them all together. Uh, and, you know, I didn't know that when I was 18. I had mm-hmm. no, no notion of it. Yeah. Well, when we're 18, we think we know everything. Yeah. But not so we, much. We had, a, we had an engineer come to my middle school uh, to uh, to try to inspire us with uh, with tales of engineering, and he said, "Oh, the great thing about being an engineer, uh, he was from Sikorsky Helicopter." Uh, said the great thing about being an engineer is the specialization. Why I know engineers who spend their entire careers just designing gas tanks. And as a kid, I mean, it's like, no, no. I don't. No, <laughs> that sounds horrible. So that was his. <laughs> he was trying to encourage you with that, or that was yeah. the answer. No, he okay. was he was excited about. It. Specialization. That's the great stuff. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we need specialists. We, I am not, not that specialized. Not against specialized, but I mean, yeah. there's there's a huge, huge variety of uh, of engineers and what it means to be an engineer. Right. 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 So I, I've been in R and D and I've had new experiences every every year. You know, right. every right. every company I go to is a new challenge. Uh, yeah. It's it's been it's been exciting and, and varied and but. But there's certainly guys at big companies that are just designing gas tanks. Yep. If they enjoy it, that's cool too. Right, right. Because if we didn't have experts in gas tanks, we'd probably yeah. have what was it the Ford Pinto that uh, had some gas tank issues. Oh yeah, oh, going yeah. going back a few years there. How about uh, what is a proud? Maybe not your proudest accomplishment, but the first one that comes to mind. Yeah, I, you know it's it's funny because it it didn't feel like a hugely proud accomplishment at the time. Uh, but uh, there's there's a device that uh, I was the I was the architect of this design. I was the technical lead on this design, uh, and it's uh, the Perclos. It's marketed as the ProGlide now, uh, but it's it's been essentially unchanged in the market for 20 years now, uh, and I'm I'm very proud that uh, you know I helped create uh, this this product that has treated many many tens of thousands of patients. Which company uh, was that with? That was with uh, uh, Abbott. Abbott, okay. Uh, Good. And, and so, so it's uh, we got enough right in terms of serving the doctors, getting the manufacturing down, getting the parts count down, uh, uh, getting getting a, a profitable product, a quality product that's uh, that's been on the market for twenty years. 
Yeah, I mean, you're lucky if a, mark, a product is on the market yeah. for 20 weeks. That's a good life for some of them. So 20 years is uh, is very good. Well done. Well done. Yeah, but, you know, at the time, I didn't know I was going to be proud of it. I just had to had to do my best. Right? <laughs> That's interesting. That's interesting. Because you know, if I think of mine, I think most of them at the time, I am kind of proud of it. But I'll have to see if there's any that uh, I'm more proud of in retrospect. That, <laughs> that So that's something for me to ponder. I want to go to sleep tonight. So what is a non-engineering hobby that you like to do? Well, a, a, a few years ago, I, uh, I started playing ukulele. You, nice. Badly. I, I want to I really emphasize that. Well, uh, most people start badly. <laughs> well, I've, I've kept that going. <laughs> You've been doing the badly. <laughs> no, I, I mean it's it's funny because you know as as we're recording this, there's this uh, this new, I think it's a Dos Equis commercial that that is really hateful towards ukuleles. Mm. It's like uh, uh, someone's playing ukulele and enjoying it, and someone else isn't enjoying it, and <clears throat> it forces the guy to stop and burns the ukulele. Uh, I was expecting uh, there to is, be a broken ukulele at the end of that yeah. commercial. Uh, and and it's like. You know, if, if I'm playing ukulele, it's for me. It's not about you. Don't make it about you. <laughs> right, right, right. So let's be slightly it's, geeky. It's an entirely selfish uh, <clears throat> pursuit. Okay, yeah. No, I mean, uh, the organization and rhythms of music, some might say there's some engineering aspect to that, or others would shoot me for daring to say that because <laughs> it's just something inherent in the human mind that we like and enjoy music. No, I think uh, in, in, at our at our age... Uh, it's just important to keep trying new things, to stay plastic. So uh, at our age, now, as I recall, Joe, somewhere you came up with statistic or this number that dirt takes 27 years to form. Yeah, yeah, so we and are so, older than dirt. I think we are. <laughs> I believe we are twice as old as dirt. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I thought about that once. I don't know, that doesn't sound right. That sounds like too long, but anyway, so... My compost looks an awful lot like dirt a lot quicker than 27 years. So We've uh, held up pretty well by comparison, really. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. All right, good. Good for us. We are, yeah. Not only are we older than dirt, we are better than dirt. Absolutely. So, stick that in your pipe. All righty. We've talked about this once or twice, uh, a favorite engineering book. I wonder if you'll come up with the one I remember us talking about some time ago. You, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's different. Uh, okay. But uh, I, I'm going to go with a, a slightly oblique uh, book here, all right? Uh, because it's it's about uh, it's about how to serve customers, mm. uh, and it's uh, the power of habit by Charles Duhigg. Okay. Okay. So uh, when when you're when you're thinking of a device, right, of a, a of a product, really, uh, Duhigg says uh, to form a habit. You need a cue that initiates you to think about doing an action. You mm-hmm. need a response. That's the action you do in response. Uh, and then you need feedback. Feedback that says what you've done is good and worthwhile. So that next time you get that cue, you do the same response. You, you pick that product up off the shelf and use it. Uh, and, you know, I think um, in, uh, in computer, internet companies, apps uh, companies, uh, that that type of habit formation feedback, the dopamine slap <laughs> or whatever, uh, is uh, is well understood, but it's less so for mechanical devices. Right. 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 So so in medical devices, you know, we've we've got to we've got to really understand where does our device work well, what patients does it help, 
mm-hmm. so that when doctors see that kind of patient, they pick our device up. Yep. Uh, we need to make sure the device is easy to use and sensible, right? Somebody that hasn't picked it up in a couple of weeks picks it up and knows how to use it. And we're pretty good at focusing on that, the response portion. Right. Right. We have a, a lot of discussions. Is this easier to use than the competitive device? Is it easier to learn than the competitive device? Right. Uh, but so, so the response we cover pretty well. And then feedback. Right. You've got to you've got to get the feedback that tells tells the user that they're done with the device, that they've accomplished what they needed to. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and it's uh, and it's complete. And that could be, you know, everything from visualization to a, a, a satisfying click in the handle. Yep. But you got to get the feedback right. 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 And if you put those pieces together, you got a product that people like using that treats a lot of customers, that helps a lot of patients. Mm-hmm. One thing among many, that uh, I think they did very well at Ethicon was stress the usability, stress the industrial yeah. design. Um, yeah, maybe the appearance a little too much. It was a freaking surgical device. Oh, you uh, ain't kidding. <laughs> but the usability <laughs> absolutely was important, and that was a lot of time and effort did go into that. And, yeah. you know, engineers are often derided, maybe sometimes properly, sometimes improperly, for not caring about that. And I know I care very much about it. Obviously, you care very much about it. How much of that is just inherent to us and how much of that is partially beaten into us or instilled into us at uh, one of our very early jobs? We'll never know, but something we can talk about sometime. Oh, wait, this is the time to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I think you're right on to it, that that, uh, Ethicon understood that. Uh, Right. The the response part is a a picture of a a piece of what makes... uh, a device attractive to users and what makes devices uh, used and uh, uh, used to help people and to make people's lives better. Right. Right. It's, right. it's one of the, one of the important pieces. Uh, a lot of times, you know, we, we leave queuing uh, out of it. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, I, I've been an advocate of uh, better clinical trial design. So queuing in which aspect? Oh yeah. Uh, we need to communicate to, to users, and I think it's broader than just med devices, but, you know, I know right. med devices. Yep. Uh, but we need to communicate to the users that when this happens, pick this device up and it'll work for you. It'll do what it what you need it to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but that, that when this when something happens piece, uh, we, we try to we shortchange that a lot of times. Yep. I. I'm queuing. My wife and I had, it was probably like a 15 minute argument while driving on some long trip somewhere. So we had plenty of time to kill. But in her car, the the car we were driving, the the window control, instead of by the window, was kind of on the, the, the console. And it was on a surface that was roughly 45 degrees. And okay. my brain couldn't decide whether forward was up or forward was down. I mean, I think if it was flat, I would have said, all right, forward is this, back is that. If it was down, that's very easy. You know, obviously up is up and down is down. But you put it at a 45-degree <laughs> angle, maybe I'm just a too literal engineer. I just, you know, so I, I, my position was it's not obvious which it is, and her position was, no, it is obvious. <laughs> so I think that was one of those uh, husband-wife arguments that I probably lost or – but. But, but I mean, it's interesting that that sort of testing. You need to consider that, right? right? As in, as engineers, we're we're responsible to make sure that we communicate to the customer through the design of the device, uh, uh, and make them 
confident and comfortable using the device. Yep. Can you think of a product, some testing where you were very surprised? It's like, oh, that oh. didn't go like we wanted, or we thought that was intuitive, it was not. Uh, you, you know, it's a, it's it's funny because almost no matter how you design a handle, uh, doctors are going to grab it a different way. Right. 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 I've I've seen that consistently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I think the testing that surprised me most, uh, again, consistently, uh, the shake, rattle, and roll tests for packaging. Right. Uh, they they something always goes wrong, and at Ethicon we had we had good dedicated packaging engineers, and something still always went wrong. Right. It's a uh, uh, vi- vibration testing does crazy things to your product, mm-hmm. uh, and it, I I've, I've not found a way to predict it. Just plan for another iteration of your packaging test that uh, yeah. that solves it. Crazy is not exactly packaging, but close enough testing, uh, drop testing. Yeah. You know, we did some drop testing. I think it was an inhaler and had a high-speed camera on it. It was unbelievable. That thing just looked like jello. It just yeah. <laughs> hearts plastic and gaps and things all over the place. And, you know, it's a pretty rigid part. You put it in your hand and it's rigid plastic. Yeah. You drop it on the concrete from three feet and it ain't so rigid anymore. Yeah, when when you throw that much energy into the system, it it goes parts go everywhere they can. Yeah, parts uh, parts and, go and splat. It's, it's amazing, amazing to see those high speed videos are hugely valuable. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is there something that you used years ago that is no longer commonly used that you wish was still available? Well, uh, you know, I, for a while I had a consulting business that was called Crate Hammer Consulting. And it's because there is this absolutely fantastic tool uh, uh, called the Crate Hammer. Uh, it's worth looking up. It originated in the you know twenties, thirties, forties when food was shipped in in wooden crates. Yep. And people receiving the food uh, would need a pry bar to open it up, and then a hammer to close it back again. And so the companies were were delivering you know uh, alongside the crates of food. A single piece steel pry bar with a tack hammer on the end, and it's an amazingly useful device. Is that right. anything like that, a uh, what's it? Uh, a roofing axe, a roofing hatchet? Kind of, but smaller. smaller. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, I've 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 had one. Uh, it's been in my family for a hundred years. I passed it on to my daughter this year. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, awesome. And I've used it to scrape up floor tiles. I've used, because. Uh, you can you can use the pry bar, get it under tile, and smack the other end with another hammer. It's a, just a solid piece of steel. It's a piece of forged steel. Uh, it's there, there's a, a product on the market called a foobar that's kind of close to it, but uh, uh-huh. uh, the, the you can still get crate hammers uh, occasionally. You can find them is on the, the and such. Is the foobar similar to the wonder bar? I don't know. Okay. I don't know about the wonder bar. I have a wonder bar. It's sort of like a mini. Pry bar, it's about a foot and a half long, slight arc and a, a ninety degree angle on it. Great for taking out nails and scraping stuff and Yeah, that's I mean that's the kind of thing. It's yep. the but the thing I love about the crate hammer is it's it's purpose built, right? But it has wide oh, wide range of uses. Yep. And it's yep. just a single part. Right. Yep. This thing was built to a cost, but it was built sturdy and like like I said, it's lasted a hundred years. 
Can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of beauty in those simple things. A lot of oh, beauty yeah. in those simple things. Absolutely. Another question for you. Looking outward, what advice might you give a, a young engineer starting out? And I'll have a follow-up yeah. similar but a little <laughs> bit different. So it may or may not be the same answer. So that's uh, it, a great question, but it's uh, that's something we could talk over, you know, beers and nachos for hours, uh, because there's 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 a lot of advice. Yep. When I when I started as an engineer, you know, I knew nothing. The the, the stuff you learn in college is just preparing you to figure right. out how to do. Yeah. How to do. Preparing you how to learn. I, yeah, I think I think maybe the the most straightforward and basic and hardest lesson to learn in a lot of ways uh, is the second time you do something, you'll do it better. Mm. Right. I I approached things like I'll just run through the equations. I'll go down the multiple choice list of answers and choose C and I'm done. Right. That's that's something that kind of school ingrained into us. Right. Right. Then. But man, that's as far from the truth as possible. You got to you got to build and test and yep. uh, and uh, we call them design, build, test loops. Right. 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 Uh, that's not something that was ever introduced to us in college. But it's it's hugely important uh, in in learning to design and make products. So, so don't they try to do a little bit of that in a senior design project? I, I would hope so. We do. We I remember doing some. Yeah. You know, start out with a, a breadboard and then a mock up, and then you go to, you know, a more finished prototype. So it's a little bit of that. Hopefully, they're getting better at it. But it's <laughs> it, it, it's the center point of uh, of the design process, of the early design process. Okay, it, so. It, what in your career might you have done differently? Is there something you said, ah, oh, if I just done this 20 years, what would the today's Joe tell the 30 year old, yeah. 30 years ago, Joe, what should you do? <laughs> uh, this is not going to be popular for, for like uh, uh, longtime company people. Okay. But I stayed with companies longer than I should have. In Interesting. Okay. Uh, there, there was several times that the writing was on the wall and the indicators were, I, I should have left, mm -hmm. uh, but I lingered. Uh, right. And, and when you linger like that, you miss opportunities. Right. Right. You could be doing something else with people you like better and having more fun and having a bigger impact. Right. Uh, the power of positive quitting, maybe. <laughs> well, I think there's, you know, it's funny. I look at the guy who's been there 40 years and part of me says, that's an accomplishment. You know, you've, You've gone deep into whatever it is, and maybe that company's done 46 different things. Uh, but then there's the other part of me that says, man, you should have gone somewhere else and done something different. I'm, I'm not advocating putting an expiration date on your employment. I'm just advocating when it's time to leave. You know it's time to leave. Go. Got it. Okay. When you see yeah. the writing, read it. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. So got to react to that. Okay. No, that's good. Good point. Good point. All right. So your best day and worst day as an engineer? I'm, I mean, you know, again, great questions, but best day is really hard. I have a lot of best days. Okay. Right? I mean, if every every day when, when you see a problem and have an idea on how to fix it, and then you prototype and design something for that problem and it works, mm -hmm. that, that creative process is a thrill. It's a thrill right. every time. Yep, uh, yep. And, I, I'm, you know, it's never going to get old, I think. Right, right. Uh, so, so I mean, it's hard to pick one. Sure. Do, sure. do you do you have a best day like that? What's a, what what makes a best day for you? Um, 
I do actually have a best day. And it was just kind of that whole creative process that was condensed into like a half an hour. Uh, there was a, a product that we were given to work on and improve, and you know there were some issues with it. And you know, I sat down with an industrial designer who I think was a very good industrial designer. He cared about the design, and he also cared very much about the manufacturing of it. And you know, because I think I'm a good engineer, and I also cared about the design of it, you know, we worked well together. And so, you know, it was just a little lancing device, and. What we had been given was difficult to put together, a lot of parts, hard and a pain in the butt. And so he just pushed me, I pushed back, and we came up with something that was very easy to put together. They ended up making, I don't know, five, ten million of them. And it was just so satisfying. You know, it cool. was you know, there was a part of me that said wanted me to say, All right, Dave, enough already. <laughs> <laughs> but he said, no, we've got to continue. This could be better. Let's make it better. And him pushing me helped me to come up with ways to make it better. And, you know, so that's kind of my best day as an engineer. You, you know, I, I, you make me want to change my answer for advice for a young engineer. All right. Uh, be, because you bring up something that's really important, that uh, people with different perspectives – Right. Industrial designers, upstream marketers, uh, engineers, right. quality people, regulatory people. When yep. they all get together and they find a solution, that is thrilling. Right. Yeah. That that cross-functional collaboration when it works is is phenomenal. Right. Because uh, you haven't and, you haven't thrown it over the wall. Yeah. Yeah. And and that was one of the funniest things when I first started as an engineer. You know, this concurrent engineering was the new thing. And I kind of looked at it and said, duh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't you want to talk to the guy you're going to hand this to and manufacture before you hand it to him to manufacture? Yeah. Well, it's, and also just the getting people who know things you don't know into a room. Yeah. uh, Right. Is, is always worth doing. Yep. Yep. Right. I, I like to, I like to say that, uh, you and I together know more than I know alone. Right. By definition. Right. 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 (laughs) I mean, that's a. Uh, there's there's no debating that. So yep. so yeah, per, maybe pursue that cross-functional design thrill. Yep. Would uh, would be be more recommendations. Is there a worse day, or don't you want to talk about it? There, I, I mean, there is a worse day. There's, <laughs> it, it, uh, but be, you know, because I'm in I'm in med devices, uh, it's a uh, it, it, it. I see a lot of gut wrenching things. Okay. Right, and maybe maybe one of the the worst. I was. Uh, uh, working uh, a case in Germany. And I got to see a, a, a patient that was not involved in my study. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, it, but it was a kid uh, who was going in for relatively minor surgery, like a tonsillectomy or something. Yep. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I got to see the parents putting on a brave face and hugging the kid and putting him on the, the, the gurney as he was wheeled back into the operating room. And then just as soon as the doors closed, see them break down crying. Hmm. Uh, because you know there, there's there's a world of fear there, and I'm sure right. as as a, as a parent you know exactly what that yeah. <laughs> that that feels like. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's uh, the, as you know, as a med engineer, you see some you see some tough stuff. Yeah. So I was not expecting an answer in that 
I was not expecting that type of answer. I'm not saying it's good or bad. It's just I was expecting more. Oh, is the day the thing broke or oh yeah, you know. But, but that <laughs> when we started off on that, I started feeling, oh my gosh, he's going to say a product he worked on broke and someone died. No, um, no. Unfortunately, uh, I've not, I've not killed anyone. <laughs> I have not had that either. So I, you know, I know there was a product. It was an inhaler. Uh, they eventually were using it for inhaled insulin. Yeah. And, you know, during the uh, clinical trials of it, I learned that, you know, there were one or two patients who died from it. And, you know, I don't, it wasn't my device. It yeah. It was just, you know, there were various factors, but still it's like, yeah, that's a pretty sober, sober day. Um, and yeah. you know, in, in that case, because, you know, it's kind of cold with some of the times the numbers are what the numbers are, you know, one too many people died during that trial. And so that right, we're not doing that anymore. And yeah. It's well, I life. mean, when we're, we're, ma- we're making devices for people who are, uh, fragile, Right, right. They're they're in a in a in a fragile and challenged health situation. Yep. Uh, and we're you know we we help many of them out of that. Right. And some of some of them we lose. Yeah. So it's, it was. It's very sobering. Very serious. Yeah, and I was talking with some you know other engineers yesterday. A lot of medical products, and you know very often you love seeing your device out in the world, but a lot of our devices you don't want to see out in the world. Yeah. Because. Uh, Something not good is happening uh, in that. Yeah, case. I, I worked on a, a device for pancreatic cancer patients. For All right, uh, and uh, you, you know it's a, a device to extend life and to make them more comfortable. Uh, okay, but uh, it's a phenomenally deadly disease. Yeah. Uh, All right, so we've gone a, a bit uh, a bit yeah. somber there. So uh, if sorry I can, about that. If I can find a needle scratch sound effect, I'll put that in right about here. <laughs> Do you have an engineering joke, a favorite engineering joke? I'm going to start collecting you know, these. I, I wouldn't say I, I have a favorite, but uh, uh, I'll, I'll throw you one for your collection. All right, very uh, good. How many engineers does it take to screw in a light bulb? I think I've heard that, but I don't remember. Uh, just just one because we're efficient and not very funny. <laughs> that, uh, that is pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> See, we engineers, we can make fun of ourselves, right? Of course. Yeah. So, well, I can't... But... But even more than making fun of ourselves, we can make fun of civil engineers. And that's what's important. That's right, because we mechanical engineers make weapons, and those civil engineers make... They make targets. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so in case there's a non-engineer listening to this, there's a new joke for your, uh, <laughs> for you. All right. All right. Oh, here's another question that uh, I think will be a recurring topic on, on this podcast. The, you know, starting as an engineer... Remember when I was uh, in engineering school, some friend's father said, well, you got to get into management so you can become a director and make lots of money. And it's like, hmm, all right, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. And and then you know, I remember another thing that Ethicon did was they had the dual path. You know, they had the, the management ladder, they had a technical ladder. And I don't think many places have that. And um, so, you know, I, I look at your... LinkedIn thing, and I see vice president and director and a bunch of different things down there. Um, so pros and cons of 
going into management? Do you consider you're in management? Are you still an engineer? I, I mean, people people ask me, you know, what do you do for a living? It's, I, I design med devices. Uh, so, so you know, I, I consider myself an engineer. Okay. Uh, and the it's it's funny because management has evolved. Um, you know, the the managers we had at Ethicon, they spent essentially zero time on CAD, right? They correct, uh, correct. They, they they were they were people managers. Yep. And and you know, fr- frankly, a lot of them, if you said, okay, instead of managing an engineering team, you're going to manage a sales team now, they go okay, and they'd switch over to manage a sales team. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that though in years, right? That that kind of generic people management. Uh, it, you know, maybe it's because I'm on the uh, on the West Coast Silicon Valley startup right. world, uh, but I haven't seen generic people management in in ages. Everybody has to have the technical chops yep. uh, to to make the technical engineering decisions. So when was the last time you opened up CAD? Oh, it was yesterday. Yesterday. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm. You know, while while I have a team of very talented engineers, it doesn't absolve me from pushing certain things forward myself. Okay, all right, that's good. Yeah, I, um, I remember uh, a few years ago, uh, we had a small company, and you know, our, our boss, the director of engineering, had been one of us three years before, and then something came up where we had to uh, sit down and do some CAD, and he said, "All right, it's all right," <laughs> claps his hands together, and right, let's have at it, back at yeah. it. Back in the saddle again. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's a. Uh, you ask why to go into management, and that make more money is the worst of all possible re- reasons. Agreed. Uh, I'm going to change my advice for young engineers again. Okay. <laughs> uh, st- uh, stuff, possessions, buying things yep. is not going to make you happy. Right. 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 Uh, creating financial freedom for yourself is going to make you happy. And and I and I put it put it that way for uh, uh, because there's two paths to financial freedom, right? right. If you if you see a, a a homeless guy, he's got financial freedom because he wants very little. Uh, and if you see a a billionaire, he's got financial freedom because he has a lot. Right. Right. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna advocate the wanting less. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, there was a book maybe 20 years ago, The Millionaire Next Door. Did yeah. you read that? And I, I didn't. Uh, so these guys were doing research into millionaires, and they were, had all these expectations of what they were, and it wasn't. You know, yeah. the millionaire was the guy who started a small business twenty years ago and is working at it. And you know, he, he drove a Chevy Impala. You know, he didn't yeah. drive a Mercedes. You know, the guys who drive Mercedes, they got big incomes but they don't have a lot of wealth. They're not millionaires. Um, and, you know, just a, a different perspective on managing your money. So, and, but, but it goes, goes back to, you know, why go into management? Yep. And it's, I, I got to a point where uh, I could see what I wanted to accomplish, you know, the devices I wanted to make, the product lines, the, the patient populations I wanted to treat. Yep. And I couldn't do it myself. Hmm. Okay. Right. It it had to be done as part of an organized team, right? Uh, and at at some point, you just uh, you get sick of watching other people try to do that organization for what you see, mm-hmm. and take it on. Yep. Right. You take on the responsibility to to focus on what you want to achieve instead of the actions you want to do. Right. Right. So, yeah, I think the the more hands on 
management. I think that's a good way. But I've yeah. I've said for years, I don't know where I heard this. I didn't make it up. I'd like to say that I did. But, you know, organization boils down to three levels. There's those who do it, those who make sure it gets done, and then those who decide what it is. So your yeah. workers, your management, your executives. And, you know, I, I think in a medical device company, especially a smaller one, you know, a a manager, you're saying you know, a director at a small, medium-sized company is going to be doing wearing all those hats. You yep. know, he's going to be, as you said, cracking open the cat every once in a while, but he's also going to be having conversations with the CEO or whomever. It's like, hey, we're going the wrong direction. We've got to change this. We've got to go after these customers. We've got to stop doing this. Or here's an opportunity with this new technology that we can adapt. Um, and yeah, and that's. You know, if I can create the optimal position, I'm going to want to have a little bit of all three of those. Exactly. Uh, but I haven't quite figured it out yet. But, you know, working in my own company, I suppose I have all three of those. Uh, another thing that helped with that transition, there's a, a, a podcast, Manager Tools. Uh, and it's these two brilliant software engineers out of West Point mm-hmm. uh, that uh, give actionable advice on how to manage people. And just listening to that, I learned that, contrary to what I'd experienced, management is a profession, mm, right? Right. There, right. there are, there are real ways to learn to, uh, to do actions and, to, and, and put in systems that makes managing people effective. Uh, and these guys, these guys have a passion about that. And by the way, building systems and taking actions to do things, that's mm-hmm. very engineering, yep. right? Yep. That's something that, that, that I think a lot of engineers appreciate and understand. Right. So, so I uh, grew over over my career, and largely by the management tools guys, uh, to appreciate management as a profession more and more. Okay. So that's uh, that's part of it too. That, yep. uh, uh, you know, I realized, oh, oh yeah, I can do that. Yep. <laughs> what they're saying, I can do that. So for, I think this will be a last question, but I reserve the right for a follow up. Sure. A few years left in your career. Do you have a vision of what you want to do? More of the same? Is there some one more accomplishment? It's like I really need to yeah. do this as well. Well, I'm, I'm right now. I'm lucky to be in a company, uh, uh, Imperative Care. It's uh, run by Fred Kashravi, uh, and he's got an expansive vision for what this company can be. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm turning 57 in a couple of months. Yep. So I I, I you know go I, I have eight or nine more years in my career. Mm-hmm. I can spend it all here. Okay. Right. I can I can help build this company and build the product line and the portfolio to treat the patient population uh, and spend nine years doing that. That's my plan. That's my hope. Yeah. That would be a, to coin a college phrase, that'd be a good capstone job. It would be. You know, kind of <laughs> put a nice cherry on your career. So, all right. Well, very good. That sounds like a, a good situation to be in and best of luck to you on that. And uh, I think we can kind of wrap this thing up. Now, I do have to say, well, one, thank you for, A, being my first host. Uh, B, good to Well, re- you remem- remember the rules. Second no, time right. you do better. <laughs> yeah, hopefully I'll do better and say <laughs> you're my first guest instead of saying that you're my first host. <laughs> <laughs> you but, can edit uh, that out. It'll be fine. <laughs> right. But if I do ever become famous, you will then become a trivia question. You know, what was Bert Ushold's or who was Bert Ushold's first first guest and the answer would good. be joe parashak good luck with that so there you go joe thanks it was a lot of fun my pleasure Bert. we will uh 
be in touch and you know you can tell all your friends when this uh hits the airwaves and you're on your way to being even a little more famous than you are now thanks so much Bert. good uh, talking to you oh, i'm sorry actually <laughs> there is one more thing i have to say joe sure um i think i don't think there's anybody who says hi bert to me quite the way you do which is about <laughs> as close to the muppet ernie and the way he says <laughs> hey bert so I, I may start calling you ernie instead of joe in the future but uh Eh, probably not. Anyways. <laughs> Joe, thank you very well, much. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure, too. Take care. All right. Take care. Bye. That does it for today's episode of the Beers with Engineers podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. You know how this drill goes. Please like, subscribe, and spread the word. If you're listening, chances are you're an engineer. If you're an engineer, chances are you've been in a design review and are used to providing feedback. So, from one engineer to another, I'd like to hear what you liked and didn't like how it can be better. If you are not an engineer, be happy you have never been in a design review, but your comments are welcome too. Thanks, and please listen to our next episode when it releases.